I'm Luca Doncic and this is Locked On Mavericks Podcast. This is gonna be huge. Yeah. 360 in the contract. Never that. I just take the contact. I bring it back. I'm running on the fast break behind the back. Yeah, this that, this that, this that. Jerk with the And welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Engstead, media member at MavsMoneyBall.com, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, contributor at Mavs.com, coughing it up. What you got for me, Isaac Harris? I'm actually going to the doctor today, guys. It's happening. Yes. It's happening. Finally. Finally. Can we get some Can we get some claps in the chat? Oh, wait. This is not Twitch, but... Because <laughs> I'm going to the doctor, so if I go to the doctor, that means I can... Um, I'll be back in action. I'll be able to... Yeah, show show up and uh, not have an illness anymore, and I'll be good to go. Shout out to you, man. Uh, so a little later, we're gonna talk to uh, Bucks Film Room, who is uh, Brian Sampson, and he, he and I will talk about the uh, Mavs versus Bucks game. I wanted to get Isaac on to uh, talk about man the Dennis Smith Jr. return. I talked about it on Monday. Uh, I did a forty minute essentially a Q and A with just everybody what they were feeling and. Uh, everything like that i just had literally just one tweet and i got 70 something replies to it about all these mavs fans feelings about dennis jr coming back uh, which is pretty funny uh and some of them were kind of sad <laughs> they're like some of them were just like defeated they're like doesn't feel like it's ever gonna happen still you know it's still he's still gone blah blah, blah. so yeah. uh, but what did you what did you feel i went over all the news in yesterday's pots so we're not going to reiterate all of it but how do you feel about dennis probably <coughs> most likely playing Tuesday night against the Clippers at home. Yeah, uh, I was at this work retreat, um, and that's why you know I went on Monday's pod, and I got the I got the notification on my phone, and uh, I just started laughing. You know, I, I just thought yeah. I'm like, you know, it's just <clears throat> it's the it's the next update in the saga of we set the stage kind of over the weekend, and we said it's kind of, uh, it's at a standoff right now. It's like the, I yeah. think it's from the office, the meme of where they're all like pointing at each other. Yeah, all three of like, them. It's, it's Dwight, except, it's Andy and it's Michael. And they're all standing in the, the conference room and they all have their gun. They are playing the, uh, what was that? I can't remember what the game is called, but it's, uh, they're in Savannah and Savannah. And oh, I can't remember the name, but then they're all like, <laughs> Jim goes at one point, Dwight revealed himself to be a double agent. And then also Andy was a double agent. And guess what? Michael was also a double agent. <laughs> they're all just standing there with their finger guns. It's pretty much a, a two of them though, not three. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, in, in the maps case, yeah, it's two. Yes. Uh, it, with, with Dallas sitting there looking at Dennis and them saying, "You're not going to hold out forever. This is you're not going to do this. We, we there's no deal on the table. <laughs> you're not going to keep on uh, being sick, air quotes, and and not showing up." And then Dennis's camp is saying, "Well, we're just going to hold. We're just going to hold out. You're not going to go through this circus forever. You're going. We'll just hold out until you trade us." And it was a standoff of each both sides saying, "Hey, we'll just call each other's bluff." And um, Looks like the Mavericks won that case. So, uh, yeah. um, at some point along the way, you've seen uh, Tim McMahon and them tweet and Shams <coughs> that there was a conversation that happened with Rick and Dennis, which you, um, did you talk about the Shams using apologizing? Yes. Yeah. I can, <laughs> I, I can compare it to when you are apologizing to your significant other or someone in a, in, in a relationship. And if you, 
if you apologize to somebody, say, I'm sorry that you felt that way. You know, you're not really apologizing for anything. You're just kind of like, sorry that that person took it in, in a wrong way. Right. And that's what I wonder if that apology was all about. Yeah, there were multiple Shams tweets about it. Um, I know Brad is all over this story, and he's doing great at covering it. Uh, and then there was multiple Tim McMahon tweets about it also. But there was one Tim McMahon tweet, and I have it pulled up, that pretty much sums everything up into one and how I feel about it, how um, I believe the current situation is. When he says, Dennis Smith Jr.'s decision to rejoin the Mavs on Tuesday wasn't about a recruiting pitch from Rick Carlisle. Um, yes. I guess kind of... Uh, that's kind of a counter to Shams's tweet. Um, it's the realization that extending his quote illness would further damage his rep. It's in everybody's yes. best interest to get him back on the court and restore his value. Um, yeah, Shams' Nick, tweet made it seem like like Rick apologized, and then Dennis was like, "Okay, I'll forgive you and come back." Like, that's what it wasn't. It wasn't about that the whole time. Yeah, no. <laughs> there's, I mean, there's a lot of different stuff that pl- that played into all of that. But um, the here's here's Nick and I have talked about this for. I don't even know if we talked about it on the podcast stuff. But it, when you when you go through the the whole situation, one thing that is pretty obvious that is never it's not going to be reported or talked to because there's a lot of things that you know behind the scenes and stuff that whether this stuff should happen but everybody knows it does happen when agents <clears throat> across the league have different clients across the league they can obviously talk to teams and organizations at any point yeah there's no so, tampering there yeah so when it comes to this whole situation dennis dennis's camp and dennis's agent isn't going to go through all of this if they haven't at least talked to some teams across the league that are saying, yeah, we're interested, of course. Right. Like, here's a first-round pick last year. We're interested, but for a right price. So that's where it just gets a crazy storyline of, like, different teams and his agent. And when you get a situation like this where a player's unhappy in their role or whatever it is, and the agent's like, man, I want you to be a man somewhere. We want you to be an actual point guard somewhere. And especially if he's talking to other teams and organizations and they're saying, hey, he would be the man <laughs> and our point guard. That's where that stuff gets interesting. And then when this tweet comes out, it just makes it seem like when McMahon's saying, hey, it just, for everybody's interest, <clears throat> the... Everything must have just dried up completely and said, hey, yeah. even the teams that they have been talking to, let's just say if they have, um, they must say, hey, like this is the this is the farthest we'll go in any type of deal. And the only reason that they they have they give in or something is that there is absolutely no out of this at all. And that's kind of where you see how this is going to play out, play out right now is this kind of like how do how are the fans right now like okay take it just take a percentage wise pro dennis anti dennis right now in the fan base how do you feel like cuz i feel like most of the fans are still pro dennis yeah i think most fans hope that it works out to where uh but i feel like after i'm not talking about it working out <laughs> um I'm just saying hope that it works out, like hope that that things get get worked out between them. That's just an optimistic look at it. I I think that there's probably about a third of at least the fans on Twitter. And and we know, we've talked about this before, that the amount of fans on Twitter and even the amount of fans on Reddit are not the – it's not the majority of Mavs fans, right? (laughs) The majority of Mavs fans that show up to games are just fairly casual fans that don't get into all of this stuff. 
and uh, they just kind of they show up for the games and they watch the games and that's kind of it. And uh, I feel like a third of the the Mavs fans online uh, are just done with Dennis and they just want him gone. And they're like, let's just just trade him already. I don't want him. I got a lot of. Um, I don't want I don't want this guy on my team if he doesn't want to be on the team. I got that a lot the other day. Yeah, and and you can't um, the you can't blame those fans that feel that nope. way either because the story has been so transparent. The the, I, the illness tag is it, it's so kind of frustrating and people like <clears throat> we would never joke about any type of tag like that on this podcast or other people wouldn't joke about that. If you didn't know, it just wasn't when you, when the head coach says that <laughs> goes on a radio show and says that he believes his his advisors are telling him to stay away from the team, and there's so much transparent reporting going on that it's obvious that it, it's not an illness or whatever. That's where it gets, you know, that's where fans can I, you could see where fans look at that and be like, hey, we're losing games right now, and he's people in his camp are telling him to stay at home, and he's not on this road trip because you know, when he could and like all this stuff. And so like you could kind of understand those fans and where I was going with it is what's the type of reception that he gets on, on Tuesday night at home. Yep. Uh, is it a man when he comes out and I mean, is it an over just a overwhelming reception of, Oh my gosh. Yes. And the crowd is, is there a standing ovation? Is there some booze? Is there definitely going to be some booze? I I know for sure there's going to be some booze. It's such a unique situation to where, like, there's a sense where you watch him, like, man, I'm so glad he's back on court. Because as a person, as a player, we're super pumped about that. Like, we're like, heck yeah, man. Like, he should be on the court. Like, he he has a huge career and potential ahead of him that we're excited to see what he turns into. But then like, you see some other fans and stuff, and if a fan is standing up beneath the press box tomorrow night when I'm at or tonight at the game, and they're booing, I'm like, I mean, I kind of get it if if they've been following the whole story all along too. So it, it's a it's a weird situation. I don't think there'll be a ton of booze. <clears throat> I think it'll be a a pretty a pretty warm uh, reception for him and all that stuff. But he's gonna have to talk to the media probably and. <laughs> that was one person sending a question is what kind of questions do you think Dennis will get? And, oh, he's uh, going to get some tough ones. <laughs> will Dennis have to talk to the media? Because there have been times this year where he's, he's skirted out and, you know, snuck out and, and not had to face the media. He, um, he, the fact that he released a statement was very interesting that went through the Mavericks. Yes. That, that was that very came, interesting to me. That came through Mavericks PR uh, his statement to that they they are obviously recognizing that it is a big deal, and um, I don't know that they'll go this far to it, but like it wouldn't shock me if they announced on Tuesday, hey Dennis Dennis Smith Jr. will address the media tonight pregame at you know five fifteen or something like that. That wouldn't shock me. I don't think they will. But either way, if he doesn't address the media until after the game, which he could. He could very well not talk to me or anything to after game. It's going to be, I mean, people are going to be, I mean, huddled and crowded around his locker. Yeah. And it, there's just going to, it's going to be a, he's going to have to talk, you know, at some point. He can't all, you know. This was the statement from Dennis, by the way, if you guys weren't, aren't on Twitter and didn't see it. Uh, and this is straight from the Mavericks. The Mavericks, they sent out statements like this. They email it to us and to the rest of the media. 
I am thrilled to rejoin my teammates on Tuesday. I am feeling better and had a great workout today. It has been difficult to be away, but I look forward to getting back on the court and helping my team win. That's it. Yeah, solid statement. Solid statement. He's feeling better. I'm glad he's feeling better. I feel like that feeling better has several connotations to it. Yes. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> I'm interested to see how the team plays. Um, I think personally, I don't, I mean, to my knowledge, there's no like rifts between like everybody loves Dennis, like yeah. as far as players wise and but stuff don't you like think that. There's going to be something weird about this though, right? Oh, for sure. I mean, absolutely. I mean, I just, I just tried to big time the rest of his team, you know, me analyzing him and Rick Carlisle, their interactions on, on the court and all this stuff of like him trying to coach or calling up plays or, you know, in timeouts or any of that stuff. Everybody's going to analyze that. Um, I mean, I, I find it interesting and this is just me. I find it interesting that he's even going to play. Considering he hasn't practiced in like a week, yeah, or over a week. And when's the last like time I, he? When's the last time he played too? Like that's the thing. Like we've talked about this podcast before. They like players practicing before they play, and <laughs> he hasn't even been around the team, let alone a practice. And <clears throat> and I guess he's going to step in and be in uniform uh, on on Tuesday night. He hasn't played in two weeks. He last time he played was January seventh. That was the last time he played. It was against the Lakers. In Dallas. Wow. That seems like a long time ago. And I don't, um, I mean, I could be wrong on this, but uh, I just, can't, I can't see him coming off the bench right now. And I, I, no, not, not initially. Yeah. He's going to start. And I think Carlisle's statement to ESPN, not a statement, I guess, but his, when he was talking to ESPN and he said that he has started every single game that he has played for, for the Mavericks. I feel like that was significant. Yeah. Yeah, and he's trying to make a point of like, listen, you've started every single game since you've been that's, here because that's how we value you. Translated, other <clears throat> other players in your draft have been coming off the bench that we've talked, yeah, like we've talked about um, the Josh, some Josh Jackson, and even Lonzo, some, and these other players that have yes. come off the bench. And Dennis has stepped in from day one. We both remember the day he was drafted, and Rick yeah. Carlisle stepped to the stepped to the podium and said, "Yeah, we picture him as day one starter." And we're like, "Whoa!" <laughs> Like we recorded live that night after the draft, and, and we're saying that's surprising that they handed the keys to yeah. him that fast to the to the offense, and that feels like an eternity ago. Um, it does man? But that was a Luca ago. That yeah, that's <clears throat> it's insane. Um, but no, I I yes, I'm anxious for Tuesday night. I'm anxious to see how the team plays. Do they do they rally around it? Um, is there yeah how does the team respond there's gonna be i mean i feel like the i feel like the the media questions for players i think the players will just downplay it and they yes, hey yeah. we're just glad you know you know business business whatever and we're glad that he's back and we're fighting and all this stuff and <clears throat> it's right now like i mean okay what however we want we think this plays i mean obviously dennis side you know caved in and said all right we give in here you go. He's going to come back and we'll see what happens then. If stuff does something happen over the next two weeks, is it something to where they just try to play out the season then the summer, however you want to view that. But it's reaching the tipping point of 
what you want to do at the deadline, like as far as your season and what we've talked about as their goals for the season and how and I don't, <clears throat> they're not going to tank. I don't, that's just, I'm, I'm tired yeah. of seeing that. I'm tired of people tweeting at me about that. It was just, I feel like I most people are saying that in jest, knowing that they aren't going to do that. Yeah, I just, I just think here's, here's the thing that you have to decide on. We try, I tried to explain this on a pod a few weeks ago, <clears throat> of where your goal could be a little different. If your goal, main goal this season is to make the playoffs, and you think that you're going to make the playoffs, and you, your number one goal is, hey, Luca playoff experience, a final playoff push for Dirk, um, any of that. And you think that you have a really good shot at making the playoffs? Then you <clears throat> you might go into the trade deadline looking, saying, you know what? Let's try to make a few a, a move here and there to help us, you know, get that seventh or eighth spot. A smaller move, but nothing that's like too crazy. Nothing that might jeopardize some future or might jeopardize some cap space or whatever it is. Nothing like like that. You want to push for that seventh or eighth spot. But here's the deal. <clears throat> They're at 20 and 26 right now, which is roughly about five games behind the, the Clippers in that eighth spot. Now, you can look at it and say, hey, New or- these are the teams in between Dallas and the Clippers. The Lakers, which, what I mean, They've I don't been know. They've LeBron, <laughs> and now Lonzo's out. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Lonzo's going to be out for a while, so what? You know what's going on with that? You think they'll just keep on going back up. <clears throat> Sacramento, what's going on with, you know, is Sacramento ever, are they going to, even out at some point. It seems like gonna... they've kind of evened out. They're five and five in their last ten, and they kind of feel De'Aaron Fox has kind of taken a dive in the last month or so. Uh, I like Fox though. So. I like I I didn't say I didn't like him, Isaac. Wow, how dare you? He's just his. He's not been. He wasn't as good as how he started the season, and so they've they've sort of. What what Nick? Him. If we don't praise somebody, then that doesn't mean that we like them or. But you're gonna have to be a couple games over 500 to be able to. Um, yeah, the other two teams is Minnesota and in New Orleans, and you know, not like none of these teams are like I would say guaranteed. Well, I I guess I would say the Lakers, as long as LeBron's is you know, playing, yes, is playing and stuff. But still, like they're just they're five games back. But here's the point: you're just you're right at this point <clears throat> to where if you reach a point, and here's where it could be different: if you reach a point to where you say, you know what, I don't know if we're gonna make the playoffs. But we're not going to tank either. Yeah. Then your goal could change before the trade deadline to say we do whatever it takes to get that second piece next to Luca. If it's something crazy, if it or means to set yourself up to get that piece. Yes. If it's something crazy, if it if it's something that means you taking on cap space, or you might include a player that you normally wouldn't include a player in a deal, or somebody you might not want to trade something outside of Luca, like. That that's the way your goal could change to where you say, all right, let's try to get ahead of it, get that second piece in there, no matter the cost, and then we spend the rest of the season working on the chemistry between Luca and that next piece, whatever it is. So that's where these next two weeks will really kind of decide where the Mavericks go from here. It'll be interesting. Uh, yeah, there you go. Those Isaac's thoughts on Dennis. Let's take a break when we come back. Let's hear from Brian Sampson, a.k.a. Bucks Film Room, on the Bucks versus Mavericks game on MLK Day. And I'm joined on the line for the first time. He is Bucks Film Room on Twitter. Brian Sampson, what you got for me, Brian? You know, I got a lot of stuff here. It was a great game. We just got done watching the Mavs-Bucks game, and it looked like it was going to be a blowout there, but the Mavs stuck stuck around, and they are able to kind of make it close there at the end. Don't patronize me, Brian. <laughs> Man, Giannis in this game just 
And you get to watch Giannis every game. And some people say this to me. They're like, oh, he's so lucky you get to see Luka every game. Like, yeah, that's true. But you get to watch Giannis every game, man. He's He is just one of the most unique players uh, that I've ever probably watched in the NBA. And I'm sure you've talked about him a ton. But he is the worst three-point shooter in the NBA. Uh, I tweeted out during the game because a lot of people were asking me, is Dwight Powell the worst three-point shooter in the NBA? Because it seems like every time he tries to take a three, he misses entirely. And so I tweeted out, with a minimum of 60 attempts, the worst three-point shooter in the NBA is Giannis, and the second is Dwight Powell. <laughs> I saw that. I saw you tweeted out a couple of different things there. I had to bite my tongue and try not to be a keyboard warrior when I saw that. <laughs> yeah, a lot of times I'll just put stats, and, and people will be like, oh, blah, blah, blah. They'll, they'll try to take like a connotation from it, and most of the time I'm just, this is what it is, you know, like. This is a stat. It's not that I'm not saying Giannis is trash. I'm not saying Giannis is bad. I think he's probably one of the top five players in the NBA right now, but he's not good at shooting threes. And it's kind of the whole conversation with Ben Simmons too. We focus so much on the one thing that he can't do. And you know, it takes it. You try to take away from all the awesome stuff that he does do. And he does so well, better than anyone else in the NBA. Yeah. And that, 17 and a half percent or whatever. And Giannis made, was it his only attempt today or he was made one for sure. And, that's actually come up a few percentage points there. Like probably in December at some point is around like 12%. So he's like on a hot streak right now, as far as Giannis <laughs> goes from deep. Coming from 12 to 17, man. It's coming, it's uh-huh. coming up. <laughs> he, hey, he was a 30% shooter his rookie year, his second year in the league. And then the Jason Kidd effect, you know, yeah, he hit 30, almost 35% of his threes his rookie year. Yeah. Tell me about that Jason Kidd effect. Cause I've seen that a lot on, on people from Bucks Twitter. Uh, this whole idea that Jason Kidd either like stunted his growth or, you know, kind of pulled this team down. He was essentially like, and he was essentially the Mark Jackson. You know, Mark Jackson for the Warriors was kind of like what Jason Kidd was to this Bucks team, and now you know Coach Bud has come in, and he's kind of like the Steve Kerr if you want to make that kind of analogy. Am I going down the right path with that? Yeah, I mean, I think the general idea is there, like that, that Jason Kidd, you know, was there with this Bucks team growing up, and then all of a sudden he leaves and they take that next step under Budenholzer. But as far as like the whole Jason Kidd thing, I think he did some nice things. Um, so I don't want to rip on him completely. I mean, you know, he's probably got to give him partial credit at least for Giannis's development since he did take these huge leaps under Kidd's eye. But as far as the three point shooting goes, you know, Giannis shot 34.7% his rookie year, and then. Jason Kidd did this thing where he told him not to shoot any threes, just to attack the basket. All his shots, all his shots should be in the paint around the rim. So that's what he told Giannis to do his second year, his third year. And so then Giannis' the second year, he shot like 16% on 0.6 attempts per 36 minutes. So that was, that's kind of what Bucks fans mean when they say Kidd ruined his development that way. His shot still has a long way to go, as you referenced, um, but if he can just hit 30% like he did last year, I think that's all he really needs at this point. Yeah, seriously, especially when he's shooting, what, like, man, in the paint, he's just, he's incredible. Just the the, mm-hmm. the arms, the limbs, <laughs> just going around, guys. That shot, that reverse kind of scoop layup that he hit around DeAndre Jordan, I mean, what do you do? What, like, what do you do with that shot? I think it was in the first or the second quarter. And uh, mm-hmm. on the Mavs broadcast, I think Mark Falwell said, and Derek Harper were like, there's only one player or two players in the NBA that can actually do that. I think there's two. I think it's Anthony Davis and uh, Kevin uh, Kevin Durant are the two like longest guys that are able to kind of do that scoop shot all the way around a seven footer like that. And it's just it's wild to see him kind of pull off moves like that. And you just you get to see it every night, so you're used to it. Yeah, it's even crazier when, like, considering DeAndre Jordan started that possession below the free throw line and just giving no respect to Giannis and his outside shot. And but I think that was something that the Mavs 
they've switched to in the middle of the game. They started out the game with having DeAndre guard Brooke Lopez, and I think they had Harrison Barnes on Giannis. But then in the second quarter, I think, you know, because DeAndre was actually getting lit up by Brooke Lopez, then they switched him. And, you know, DeAndre, he he did everything that he could. He tried his hardest. He had some a few fouls, but he made things tough for Giannis, which is what you can do or all you can do at this point. Yeah, Giannis, uh, he had 30... 31, yeah, 31 in the game, only had 12 points in the second half. He's 3 of 10, uh, and five of those points were free throws. So, yeah, he did He didn't make it pretty difficult for him. Um, Brooke Lopez on <laughs> uh, being guarded by DeAndre Jordan, I called that at the beginning of the game. Like, this is the matchup of the game to watch out for. And Brooke Lopez came out on fire. Splash Mountain hit three threes to start the game. And, uh, man, <laughs> he is such a problem. And DeAndre Jordan just, he hates to guard the perimeter. It's just, mm-hmm. it's not what he wants to do. He has a hard time coming out and even contesting when he's supposed to switch on something and he'll do it maybe two or three times a game. And it always surprises us when it happens. And Mavs fans are, are pretty much done with us complaining about Deandre Jordan at this point, <laughs> um, even though they will still continue to do so. But Brooke Lopez, man, that pairing with, with Brooke and Giannis has been pretty amazing this year. Yeah. Lopez has been offensively exactly what they needed. He pulls those guys like, DeAndre Jordan out from the lane and that makes it easier for Giannis and for the other guys like Malcolm Brogdon, Eric Butzel. They can just have free drives to the rim now because Lopez is routinely pulling out the other team's, you know, five. And so I think that's been huge even when he's not hitting shots. Like if you look at Lopez's numbers, they're down this year. He's averaging the least amount of points he has in in his entire career. Um, and so from like that standpoint, it looks like he's not having that great of a season, but he's shooting 37% on 6.6 threes a game. And so that really just does wonders for this Bucks offense. Yeah. Well, Brooke Lopez, he's still like the leading leader in, uh, in points for the Nets in franchise history, right? That's still a wild stat that he is the leader in points total for a franchise in the NBA. Uh, but he used to be just, the, you know, this low post guy that would score mm-hmm. a ton. And obviously he's added this three point shot to his game over the last couple of years. And it man, he's he's completely changed his career. It's it's so wild to see a guy do a complete kind of one eighty like like he has. And now his brother is trying to do the same thing in Chicago. <laughs> Good luck with that. Yeah, not working out so well for him over there. Um. Uh. Okay. Some other stuff. Um. I know I'm not going to be able to to finish this podcast without me asking. Uh. A lot of Mavs fans are interested in the restricted free agency of Malcolm Brogdon. Do you have any idea or any feelings as to whether he could potentially be available this summer for the Mavs? You know, I think the Bucks have a really difficult decision to make. All four starters besides Giannis are going to be free agents. Brooke Lopez is going to be unrestricted. Middleton, he has a player option, and so he's probably going to decline that and try to find a max contract. And then you got Brogdon and Bledsoe are free agents. And so the Bucks, I don't know if they'll be able to keep all of them. You know, they traded away John Henson and Matthew Delvadova in order to clear some cap space. But with the season that Brogdon's having, you know, he's making it really tough. He's on pace for a 50-40-90 season the first since Steph Curry did it a a few years ago. And so he's a perfect complimentary player for Giannis right now where he can spread the floor. He can guard a couple of positions. Even though he plays some point guard, shooting guard, he's really more like an undersized small forward. Um, But he would be a great fit alongside Luka because he can spread the floor, handle some of that secondary ball handling duties. So I really think it's going to come down to how much do other teams value them? Like if the Mavs blow them out of the water with an offer, then the Bucks might not have the cap room to match it. Um, but if the Bucks can lock them up early in free agency, then 
and not risk anything like that happening. So I think, you know, there's a few different things to look out for, but it'll be just interesting to see how other teams value him. If team a team like the Mavs can offer him more than the Bucks are willing or capable of matching, then yeah, he'll probably end up in Dallas or somewhere else. Interesting. That's uh, it's definitely something to monitor, something that we'll be looking at. Um, but back to the game. Um, so any thoughts on Luca? Is this your first game watching Luca? Have you seen some games from him in the past? What were your what were things you're surprised about? Luca obviously got his first triple double in this game: eighteen points, eleven boards, ten assists. Should have had probably twenty five assists, but so many Mavs missed shots. They shot thirty six percent from the floor. Uh, what were your initial thoughts about Luca? Yeah, I think he is i'm sure you hear this a lot but he he's 19 but he plays like he's 29 you know he just knows how to read the floor he was having a hard time hitting those floaters over brooke lopez off the pick and roll and so he kind of adjusted and he was finding that weak side corner on the pick and roll um and the Mavs hit a, hit a couple of those, but he really was just reading that defense, knew right where to look for it. He was manipulating the defense with his eyes. So even though Giannis, who was typically guarding that weak side corner, he knew it was coming. Giannis still would crash down and then Luca would whip that pass to the corner. So that was really impressive to me. That stood out. That didn't happen so much in the second half after the Bucks made an adjustment, but in the first half, he was really finding that guy in the corner. And so that really stood out to me, you know, we, I think watching like the highlight tapes before he came to the NBA, you saw all these nifty passes. That really hasn't been the case this year, at least from what I've seen him. He still makes good, solid passes, but it hasn't been like all of the highlight reel variety. But he just really it plays under control. He's not the most athletic guy, but he understands his limitations, and he knows how to read defenses. So I think that was the biggest thing that stood out to me. And, and he knows how to just get in there and grind and play hard, but play smart at the same time. Yeah, he had several passes, like several really good, like you said, solid passes to the corner in this game, uh, to Dorian Finney-Smith and to Harrison Barnes, and Barnes was zero from eight from the three-point line this this Ugh. game. He was just brutal, man. Um, also, I love the nickname that we've coined, uh, Kirk Henderson, uh, Kirk Serious Face on Twitter. Somebody sent this to him, and he's been taking it on uh, Bird Box Barnes. I think that's I think that's what we're gonna call him. <laughs> with uh, man, he just drives into the paint and does not pass. I think he still has the lowest pass percentage out of drives in the NBA, <laughs> which is pretty wild. But yeah, th- those solid passes are are totally right. And uh, he hasn't done a lot of flashy passes. I did a video on my YouTube channel uh, at the beginning of the season. Luca 200 IQ plays, and it's kind of tongue in cheek, just like some Luca awesome plays. Uh, breaking some of those down and there's some some good passes there but since then we just haven't really seen a ton of these like behind the back trying to you know between the legs kind of passes like that it's just been really good solid passes like we saw in this game and the floater game is going to be there whenever I mean that's so hard to kind of stop that he's able to get that defender on his hip and when he has him right there they kind of have to stop or else they're going to foul him and then he just can throw that floater up how would you try to defend that after seeing it so many times if I'm the Bucks defense yeah you know, that's a that's a shot the Bucks defense wants. So that's what they're forcing him into. And so that's why you saw it over and over again because you the Bucks have prioritized the rim, like defending the rim. So they want Luca and other guys to shoot those floaters, to like have Brooke Lopez right there in the middle of the floor to shoot it over that seven footer and his outstretched arm. And so that's what the Bucks defense wants. They kept they go over ball screens over the top in order to force the ball handler into the paint. And so they want him to shoot those floaters or those mid rangers that are just outside of the restricted area. So that's exactly what the Bucks defense wants. And, you know, it 
didn't really work in the first quarter as far as the Mavs hit a few, or in the first half as far as the Mavs hit a few of those. They found some three-point shooters. But yeah, that's what the Bucks want. They can't defend everything. And so that's what they prioritize is giving up those mid-range and those floaters that are kind of in between mid-range and at the rim. Interesting. Yeah, and that, that's a shot that Luca will take all day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. usually he's been pretty good at it. Last couple of games he's been kind of been missing on those. And he has some off games here and there. Um, what's what's going on with Eric Bledsoe this year? Because it seems like a lot of national people keep saying, like, oh, if only the Bucks can upgrade on that point guard spot, if only they can get somebody better than Eric Bledsoe. He had a great game today, I thought. Uh, didn't shoot well from three, but he had 21 points, four boards, five assists, two steals, only two turnovers, and he was plus 19 for the game. What what have you seen from Eric Bledsoe this year? And and uh, do you agree with everybody saying that the, Ma- or the Bucks just need to improve in that area? So Eric Bledsoe is like a roller coaster, a literal <laughs> roller coaster. Like you get good games. Like he's he's been on a tear lately these last five or six games where this is probably actually one of his worst games in the last two weeks or so. But he'll have these games where he can just take advantage of the wide open middle. He's so quick and strong. He's got that good blend where he can take most point guards off the dribble, whether it be with his quickness or his strength. And so when he can get to the rim like that, when he's playing well, this Bucks team, is nearly unbeatable. And so I think that's what makes it really hard is he also is probably one of their best perimeter defenders this year. He was match, matched up with Luca to start the game. Yeah, a lot. Um, and so he's, you saw, I don't know if when he did, uh, when the Bucks played the Rockets, you know, the, the Bucks did this really exaggerated defense and Bledsoe was charged with defending James Harden on that right. defense. And so he gets those best match. He gets the opposing team's best wing or best guard every single night. And some games, you know, he works real hard and he has good games, but other times he's just a turnover machine, takes bad shots, over dribbles. He gambles on defense sometimes. And so I think that's really what the struggle has been is he's so up and down where What's he going to be like in a playoff series? Last year against the Celtics, he got toasted, just toasted by Terry Rozier. I mean, (laughs) Rozier was calling him the wrong name. He was in his head. Just so, yeah, so it's really (laughs) up and down. Did he call him Drew Bledsoe? He called him Drew Bledsoe. And then in game (laughs) seven, they had the real Drew Bledsoe, like sit courtside or come to the game in Boston (laughs) or something. So, yeah, so he just was killing him on that. And so that's really, he's going to be a free agent as well, but that's where it's up in the air. It's like, if they can get a player who's more consistent, then that might flow better with the Bucks offense or somebody who can hit some more threes. You know, he was one for seven from downtown today, and he's really been slipping on that lately. But he's also going to be a free agent, and he's 29, so do you really want to give him a four-year contract? Yikes. So there's just a lot of factors that are up in the air with Bledsoe and his up-and-down play. Yeah, and you had a good – speaking about that, uh, Eric Bledsoe guarding James Harden, uh, you had a great video on your uh, YouTube channel. It's just Bucks Film Room if you go to YouTube and check that out. Uh, it's got some some good love on that that video so far. Uh, I thought that was a really good breakdown of how they they Thank tried you. to defend James Harden. You, you can't really defend James Harden at this point. Not right <laughs> now. NBA. Not right now. But uh, go check that out if you're interested in that. Uh, talk to me about some of the, the Bucks role players so far and some of their bench guys. Uh a lot of people would look at this bench and be like, oh, you know, Sterling Brown, who is that? DJ Wilson, who is that? You know, where's Thon Maker? Why hasn't Thon Maker kind of had a breakout yet? Um, but those guys have been solid, at least, the, uh, the, as far as Sterling Brown and DJ Wilson. Uh, I think it's Bucks Reddit that loves DJ Wilson. <laughs> oh, yeah, all of Bucks. DJ Wilson, when the Bucks picked up his 30-year option earlier in the season, everyone was freaking out. Like, he hasn't <laughs> played a game. Like, why are we doing this? And now, all of a sudden, he's a fan favorite. And yeah. Today, DJ Wilson and Sterling Brown, they were the first two Bucks um, off the bench, and they came in, and I think 
I forget exactly what happened. I think DJ Wilson or somebody got a steal. He threw it back to Sterling Brown in transition, and Brown finished a little layup or something like that. And so, you know, the Bucks guys, they aren't spectacular. Uh, DJ Wilson, 14 minutes, just 0 for 1 from the field, two rebounds, one assist. So, you know, he doesn't do anything spectacular, but he just plays good, solid defense. He's 6'11". He understands that he's not always going to go up and block somebody's shot, so he just makes you finish over length. Same with Sterling Brown. Sterling Brown actually was 3 for 3 from downtown, but... He just they play hard together, and so when the Bucks acquired George Hill um, from the Cavs in exchange for Henson and Delvadova, Hill gathered all the bench guys together like before the first game and said, "Hey, we don't need to outscore the other team. We don't need to do anything spectacular. We just need to play even with the other team. When our bench unit comes in, their bench unit comes in. We just got to play even with them." And so that's really the mindset that they that they kind of attack the game with because. The Bucks starters, they got five starters who average in double figures. You know, four of those starters average 15 points or more. So when this second unit comes in, they really just come in with, you know, we're just going to play solid, not make mistakes, but not do anything spectacular and just kind of ride the flow until the starters can get back in. Yeah, and the, the Mavs bench had been their, you know, their strength of their team. And, and in this game, this is kind of where the Mavs sort of started coming back in that second quarter was uh, because of that second unit. So uh, that can kind of get away from them a little bit. Um, but without JJ Brea, man, it's, it's tough. Uh, Tim McMahon tweeted out that the Mavericks are, are over eight in games without JJ Brea this year. Uh, I hope that that does not continue because he's not going to come back and the Mavericks would just be in the lottery and they would probably have one of the number one picks in the lottery if they lose every single game here on out without JJ Brea. But, uh, but yeah, it was, it was good to see the Mavericks finally get some, uh, you know, um, get a little pushback after being just terrible over the last you know week or so without J.J. Brea. Jalen Brunson had a, a good game uh, tonight, 6 for 15 from the floor. Uh, he had a couple little step backs, which I love to see his little, like, he doesn't do step back threes. He had one in this game, but usually he doesn't have any step back threes. He just has little step backs in the paint. Um, five assists, three boards, just one turnover. And, uh, man, I, I thought he had a great game. I think he's a great fit in that starting lineup. Did you, what did you see or what did you uh, think about Jalen Brunson in this game? Yeah, I was impressed by him. Um, I didn't expect him to have that. I think he's averages like what, like nine, six points, six points a game, something like like that. Not a lot. He hasn't played a ton. He's get, he gets DNP CD sometimes, but with Dennis out and JJ out now, he's getting a lot of time. Yeah, and he had 12 points in that first half, and he was really one that sparked him to the Mavs for the halftime lead because he hit a couple of those threes, and he just played smart basketball. I think he got a post-up in the middle of the lane, did a little step back, and it just yeah, it was nice. floated. It went right through the hoop. I mean, didn't even touch any of the rim. So that that was surprising, and you know, you need those role players like that to step up. And I, yeah, he was impressive in all aspects of the game. Yeah, love seeing it. Uh, do you have anything else? Do you any other thoughts about this game? Mavericks thoughts, Bucks thoughts? Do you want to uh, to talk to talk about before we go? I think the only other thing in is the Mavs. They were on fire from deep in that first half. They were nine for nineteen, and that's really what sparked them to their lead as well. Like with Brunson hitting a couple of those, um, but then they went, they trailed off and were five for twenty one in the second half. If my math is correct, which I suck at math, so it's, it could be wrong, but <laughs> that's what I got right now. So I think that's the difference in. A lot like we've seen in Bucks games is they're kind of like a poor man Golden State Warriors. You know, they'll the Bucks will score consistently for all four quarters, and sometimes the opposing team will keep up with them for two or three. But then in the end, the Bucks just have that balanced scoring where they just end up overtaking their opponents. And so I think that was just something that I saw again. And the Bucks were up 17 before the Mavs made a nice little 11-0 comeback and almost made it a game there at the end. But 
yeah, the Bucks just always pedal to the metal and are always pushing the ball, just trying to, you know, keep on scoring and scoring. Yeah, and they made things they made things so hard for DeAndre Jordan on offense. Uh, he's six of eleven, which is really bad for him. Uh, and he just had so many putbacks. It should have should have been in. It should have been pretty easy for him. But the Bucks just they have so many arms, man. <laughs> they have They're so long. many long arms and all over the place, and uh, they made it tough for him. So uh, plug your stuff if you. Uh, we talked about your YouTube, but anything else you got going on? Let people know where they can find you. Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at Bucks Film Room. I also write for the SB Nation, the Milwaukee Bucks site at SB Nation Brew Hoop. So you can find my stuff on there under Brian Sampson. Um, yeah, and then my YouTube channel, Bucks Film Room. I mix it up between the articles and the videos. Um, so yeah, check me out on all there. And by the way, I love your stuff. I'm not even a Mavs fan, but I check out all your stuff all the time. My notifications pop up on YouTube, and you're one of the first videos I watch. It's really informative and entertaining. So I love that stuff. Wow, I'm flattered. I'm I'm tearing up over here on this. Side. Should be, Should be. <laughs> Brian. We appreciate you uh, you coming on the podcast, and hopefully we'll hear from you again soon. Yeah, thanks, Nick. All right, see you. All right, guys, there you go. That's the podcast. Thanks so much for listening to Locked On Mavs. We uh, we appreciate you guys all the time listening to the pod. And we'll be back again. We'll be breaking down the Clippers game. And uh, the Mavs don't play on Wednesday, but they do have that back-to-back. And then, uh, as I noted on Twitter, their, their schedule kind of kind of lightens up a little bit. So hopefully we'll be getting some more wins in. Uh, the Clippers have also been taking a dive. So this is a very winnable game for the Mavericks, especially with Dennis back. So there you go. Guys, appreciate you. Thanks so much for listening to Lockdown Maps. He's out. Boom. Boom.